journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. It is indeed a trip of a lifetime, and quite honestly, I'd love to trip out of the freezing cold weather that has beset us in Johannesburg. I'm sitting here shivering in my boots. Hopefully by tomorrow we will see the sun again and an air of happy Lagba Omer to everybody. Tonight we celebrate the 18th day of the month of Iyar and it is a very, very special day um, where we um, are allowed to listen to music, um, we are allowed to get married and we are allowed to rejoice because this was the day many, many thousands of years ago when Rabbi Akiva's pandemic Stopped and stopped killing all his students. And so we go out, we light bonfires, we have live music, and I'm encouraging each and every one of you um, to attend some form of Lag Bar Omer celebrations. There are many around town, and it is a time. It's a very, very mystical time, by the way. Um, this whole ho- this whole holiday. So um, you want to warm up from this oh, weather? Then um, a bonfire will certainly do the trick. Tonight, But as always, you're with me for the next 45 minutes and we are going to be trans- uh, transitioning back into the Bible and we're still at the point where Moses is arguing, as every good Jew always does, um, with God at the burning bush as to why he does not want to go. And as we are following the conversation, we can see that every single excuse that he gives is counted by God. And eventually, um, he does acquiesce. Interestingly, um, I learned that this conversation wasn't a five-minute conversation or an hour conversation. In fact, this conversation took seven days. There was a lot of deliberation, a lot of looking at, uh, at every single uh, side of things. And as always, when we are studying the Chumash, we obviously learn the practical story because the practical story did in fact happen. But there are many, many lessons. And uh, last week we went through a whole lot of of, of lessons, um, particularly the one of Moses throwing down the his staff, which changed into a serpent, and then him grabbing the end of the staff and it beca- of the serpent and it becoming a staff again. I'm not going to repeat it here. If you want to hear about it, then go back to podcasts on our highfm.com website and um, you can hear it in its entirety. So we're just going to continue plowing forward. We're in chapter four. We're going to do verse six. Um, and just as a preview, God gave Moses three signs to convince the Jewish people and Pharaoh that he was, in fact, um, being sent by God himself. The first was that he could throw his staff down and that it would change into a snake and then it would be changed back again um, into a staff. And we are going to now go into the second, um, second sign that God says to him. So verse 6, chapter 4, Perik Dalad, Pasuk Vav. Vayomer Hashem, and God said, Lo od haveh na yadecha bechekha. God says further to him, Take your hand and put it into your shirt. Vayave yado, so he places his hand, bechekha, in his shirt. Vayotziya, and he brings it out. Vihine yado mitzora'at kashaleg. He takes out his hand, 
and boom, his hand had turned leprous, as white as snow. And then God says to him again, um, return your hand into your shirt. By Yashav Yado, he returns his hand, El Cheko, into his shirt. By Yotzia, Mecheko, then he brings it out again from his shirt, Mecheko, Behine, Shavak, Vasro, Kivsaro, and when he takes it out, um, it is his, his hand that returned to normal. So stick in the hand, take it out, it's full of leprosy, as white as snow, stick it in, take it out again, and, um, his skin has returned to normal. So why was this a sign and what is this coming to teach us? Well, um, firstly, we spoke earlier that Moshe was um, kind of like thinking beyond uh, to find every excuse as to why he shouldn't go. And one of them was that the people wouldn't believe me. And that was considered to God as Loshan Horror against the Jewish people, because he actually didn't have any proof. He was just projecting. I know I'm going to go there. They're not going to believe me. Well, how do you know that? Have you tried? Have they acted like that? Has anything been said like that? So the truth of the matter was that he was projecting, and God saw that as speaking evil and against against the Jewish people. And so both the snake which is a, a, a metaphor for Loshan Hara, for bad speech, for negative speech, and now as well um, being covered with tsara'at, with leprosy, both of them in, um, in Judaism are signs of Loshan Hara. Where do we get it from? Well, the snake we know was, with its cunning tongue, managed to converse, uh, convince Eve in the Garden of Eden to eat from the tree of knowledge, good and evil. And so that brought down, honestly, the entire civilization. And in the time of the temple, if somebody spoke evil against another, even covertly that you didn't even know that, you know, that the guy had spoken, he would come out with leprosy and um, then he would have to be um, taken out of the camp and put into solitary confinement outside the camp for seven days and um, this was all diagnosed, by the way, not by a doctor, skin doctor, but by the Kayan, the Kohanim. And when the Kohen would come and see him seven days later, would see if he's cured, would give him the go-ahead to come and join the Jewish people. Now, it must be said that leprosy uh, today is not the same leprosy of, of, of in the time of the temple. The leprosy in the time of the temple was a spiritual disease. It manifested physically. Most times it was not a good sign. Most times it was a sign for a person to repent. There were um, occasions when leprosy was a good sign, and that is that this leprosy could also be found on your pots and pans and could also be found on the walls of your house. If they're found on the walls of your house, um, the rule was that you had to break down the walls. That's how you how you got rid of it. That was a good sign because what really had happened was just before the Jews were coming into the land of Israel, obviously the, the nations of the world that were living in the land of Israel, the Canaanite nations, the Chivats, the Prizats, the Yevusats, the Gergeshats, all of them, they were very scared about the Israelis coming in, Jewish people coming in. And so what they did is they took all their 
fortunes, their, their gold, their silver, anything that was of worth, and they built it with a false wall, meaning they put it all against the wall of their house, and then they built a wall in front um, to make a false wall so that if they do get conquered, then the, the Jews would not be able to find the spoils. So one of the good things that happened with, the, with leprosy is that if leprosy came on the walls of the house, it was a sign, obviously, that you had to bring, you had to knock down the walls, and nine out of ten times what would happen is that you'd find hidden treasures behind it. But if leprosy for sure fell on a, on a person, it was a sign that they had to be in, that they had to look inwards and see what it is they had to do. And that is why they were sent outside the camp. It was a time of, okay, time out, go into the corner, metaphorically, and go work out what you said, because lush and horror, as we know, not only destroys the person who speaks about it, but it also will destroy the person who listens to it, and it will also destroy about whom the Loshan Horror is said. And so Loshan Horror is indeed a very, very serious um, the, uh, transgression in, in Torah. And so the, the coming of the leprosy um, is there to bring a person, um, recenter a person and say, what, what, what did you say wrong? And it's not only really nasty things we go to the fine details as much as having avak Loshan Horror, which is the dust of Loshan Horror, where you could probably you know, just give a, uh, a um, how should I call it, you should you just give a hint of something that, that, that could be wrong and that in and of itself um, is considered lush and horror. So we are going to go for a little bit of a break and when we get back we're going to discuss now why in fact this was a sign that was given to Moshe Rabbeinu. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. So why did Moshe's hand become leprous? Well, the first reason, if we understand what leprosy is all about, is that he in some way also had spoken Lush and Horror about the Jewish people. And God telling Moshe to put his hand, hide his hand in his shirt, is a metaphor for the fact that when a person tries to destroy another person's reputation, generally it's done covertly. Right? So that was the, that was the reason why he said, put your hand into your shirt. Because just like the person who speaks the Lush and Horror would hide his hand when he tries to d d destroy the reputation of somebody else, um, God was saying to Moshe, you know, you are suspecting the innocent. You're suspecting the Jewish people. And, and, and it's not true. And that's why, um, he, 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 he put his hand into his shirt and it came out, um, leprous. Why then, um, when he returned his hand back into his shirt, um, and as soon as he put it in, obviously it was healed because when he took it out, it was fine. So our sages teach that this, teach that the lesson here is that good comes to a person more quickly than evil. Meaning Moshe's hands didn't become leprous until after he took it out. But when God was going to heal it, it returned to normal, um, even even before he withdrew it. Now, um, one other thing that our, our uh, uh, sages teach is that you can see that there is a delay in, in uh, God uh, punishing. So evil is, de is delayed both for the righteous and the wicked. Okay? Um, so you put it in, you come out leprous, 
but as soon as you put it in, it, 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 it healed immediately, meaning God is wanting to give more good than bad to people, and he would delay things. So this was the sign um, that he would give the Jewish people. And God continues in verse 8 and says, And if they do not believe you, and they will not understand or they will not heed to the first sign, that is the sign with the, the staff turning into a snake, they will then believe the evidence of the second sign. So really, um, if you really think about it, you know, one could question um, the efficacy of the second sign because when you look at the first sign, you get a, a lifeless staff and it's transformed into a living snake, um, which, is the, which is the greater of the two. Um, surely it would be the first one. Um, but what God was really saying to Moses was that this your hand going into your bosom and t changing into leprosy was miraculous because, you know, um, I'm the only one that is causing this leprosy. It makes absolutely no sense that you just stick your hand into your shirt and out it comes, lep uh, uh, it, it comes out that you've got leprosy. And he's bringing to mind for Moshe um, how both, for example, Paroi, and later on, Avimelech were punished um, because of Sarah. Okay, um, they couldn't. Wow, there goes the thunder. They could not. They could not really have got ill and full of disease without Hashem willing it. And so, this is really why the, the sign is a um, a greater sign in that. It's impossible to put your hand in your shirt and take it out and it becomes leprous. We have to believe that it comes from God. But God solidifies us even more with something interesting in verse 9. Vahaya, and it will be, If they do not believe in the, these two signs, the staff and the leprosy, and they will not listen to your voice. So then you should take water from the river, obviously the Nile River, you should pour it onto the ground, and it will be that this water that you pour from the river onto the ground, it will turn into blood on the ground. So what Hashem was saying here, what he was explaining is that the water would not turn to blood until after it was poured on the ground. When poured on the ground, um, it would be water, and then miraculously it would be transformed into blood. And as we know, that was the first the first of the ten plagues. Okay, we know the first of the ten plagues was blood. Now, why was this sign different from the other two where God says, well, and if they don't believe in those two, they're definitely going to believe in this one. Because when water is poured onto the ground, when this water was poured onto the ground, not only was it transformed into blood, but it remained blood. It never reverted back. So it was not like the sign of the staff turning into the snake, okay, or the hand becoming leprous, because both of them eventually reverted to their original state. 
The water, on the other hand, would remain blood, and this was a sign that would that 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 the the the, the blows the blows of the 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 plagues would would give permanent damage to the land and would not be restored. Um, also. Um, why this one was different, in, not only in the permanence of the change, but it wasn't that the water just turned red, right? Um, it wasn't just now red water. What it actually was is was that chemically and physically it was in fact blood. It was indistinguishable from blood drawn from a human being, and that that was like quite frightening. So the third sign was far more vicious, if I can say, far more permanent, far more OMG than the other two that reverted back. Um, and uh, the one other thing is that when it comes to sorcery, when it comes to black ma magic, the staff and the leprosy could, if somebody knew black magic, could be recreated. But when one starts with water, okay, we know that the effects of sorcery are annulled by water. So um, when you get to the third sign, you're kind of like upping the ante and it's it's far worse. You know, there's a story from the Talmud that relates that a person once bought a donkey that was made out of wood and he knew a lot of sorcery. And so he did a whole lot of heebie-jeebies and abracadabras on it, and it became animated through through his sorcery. And then he brought this now seemingly live donkey to a stream to give it to drink, and it, because it came in contact with water, it reverted back to uh, to to wood. So water annuls sorcery, and that's just like a really really interesting idea. Not that we do it because we're trying to annul sorcery, but water has a very cleansing um, ability. And that's why there are many, many places and many times the mitzvahs are connected to water. So we have, for example, the fact that we will wash our hands in the morning when we wake up. Um, many people have the custom not even to put their feet down on the ground and um, before we wash for negovasa. Negovasa means the washing of the hands. Um, most people put a little uh, a cup filled with water and a bowl by their bedside, and that is because we are getting rid of one sixtieth of death, a negativity, a spiritual negativity that comes upon us when we sleep. So as soon as we wake up, before we even touch our eyes or our body or do anything like that, we wash negovasa. Um, this is a law that is incumbent upon every single Jewish person. It is not something that non-Jews have to do. Um, if a Jewish person does not wash Negovasa, we are told that that spiritual um, deficiency is then passed on to anything and everything that they touch, including food, etc., etc., and children, um, etc. So that is um, Negovasa. Another example would be that we wash for bread. Um, 
That is for us to cleanse ourselves before we make a blessing. We know we have the mitzvahs of mikvah for women um, when she has finished her menstrual cycle and and counted seven clean days. Um, that is a spiritual pu- pu- uh, purification, definitely not a physical one, because before going into the mikvah, a woman has um, bathed and cleansed herself. Um, physically, this is a spiritual purification. We also have many occasions when men will go into the mikveh before Yom Kippur. Some have a custom before Shabbos. Some even have a custom to do it every single day. Water cleanses away and purifies. And so over here, what we can see is that whilst the first two signs that were given to Moshe Rabbeinu were, did, the, 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 the occultists in, 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 um, the occultist, the oh, let me say that again, the, the sorcerers in Egypt um, were able to replicate when they started, um, when they started the, 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 the plagues, they were not able to replicate it. So the third one actually went up in an ante um, of like, of like, like it was, it was pretty loud and clear. Also, just before we move on, why did God give him three signs? Because that paralleled the three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it was certainly in their merit that Moshe Rabbeinu um, would be successful. So um, once, he would have, once he would do the third uh, miracle, nobody would have any more doubts. Well, by now you would think that Moshe, all his arguments <laughs> had been answered by God. But believe it or not, he had one last one. And now he becomes very, very personal. Vayome Moshe el Hashem, he says to God and he actually, he actually becomes in a sense desperate. He's pleading. Be Adonai lo ishtvarim anochi. I beg you, O Lord, but I am not a man of words. Um, not yesterday or the day before. Um, not, not from the very first time you spoke to your servant. I am heavy of mouth and heavy of tongue. And really what he was saying over there was that he was a terrible terrible stutterer now let's remind ourselves why was he a stutterer so if you recall when he was growing up in the palace of Paroi um, and he was um, a couple of years old and he was sitting on the lap of Paroi and he tried to take something out of his crown out of Pharaoh's crown Pharaoh treated him like a grandson and what happened was that um, Bilam who was a sorcerer, um, and all the other advisors went and said, you see, this guy is one, is trying to steal your, is trying to steal your, your, uh, your, your crown. And so they decided, well, let's test the boy. So they brought a plate of diamonds and gold and silver to, uh, Moshe, and in the other hand, in the other, and on another side, they brought some burning coals, and they said to the little boy, Moshe, choose, which one do you want? And obviously, kids would go for the, the sparkly, not for the boiling hot, 
And he did put out his hand. But it says the angel hit his hand. And instead of him touching the gold and silver and jewels and whatever have you, all the shiny stuff, the, the angel shoved his hand and his hands touched the burning coals. And obviously when you touch the burning coals, ouch, it burned very badly. And in a reflex um in a, in a reflex, Moshe took those burning fingers and put them in his mouth, and he burnt his tongue. And that's what made Moshe slow of, heavy of mouth and heavy of tongue. And so here was his last excuse to God. I can't do this. I can't talk. Not yesterday, not the day before, not from the first time you've ever spoken to me. I, I, I don't have the gift of the gab. And what? why was that making him worried? Because... He said to God, and this is written in the Midrash, that as you're well aware, God, Pharaoh has 70 translators in his court. Pharaoh himself knows 70 languages. So each of the major languages of the world were represented in Pharaoh's court. Now, if he comes and he says, listen, I am an ambassador of the creator, um, what is one of the things they're going to test? They're going to test his linguistic abilities. And they're going to try to speak to him in many strange languages. And he says, when I'm not going to be able to reply, not because I don't know the languages, but because I am a stutterer, they're going to mock me and they're going to say, an ambassador of the world's creator should know all the languages in the world. Okay? And then they'll, they'll recognize, they'll go and say that I'm ignorant of language and they will hold me as a, as a liar. So I can't go to Pharaoh, um, because I'm going to make an idiot of myself. And more than that, he went and said that Pharaoh is not, this Pharaoh that was, was now in charge was not of noble birth and he could not be swayed by eloquence. And so, um, he couldn't logically go and explain to him that he just has a speech impediment. So that is his argument. And one of the things he actually asked God was perhaps can you cure me of my disability? Um, and, if you're not going to cure me of my disability, then I'm for sure not fit for this mission. So I, I think he had a justifiable um, excuse. It is very, very difficult for somebody to go sit before the king, okay, and sit and stutter away. And um, he, he really, really, really had did not have the gift of the gab and the ability to express himself in an eloquent manner. And so he shied away from that responsibility and said, I just can't. I can't do it. And God gets really angry with him and uh, replies to him as follows. By Yomir Hashem Elav, God says to him, Mi sampela Adam, who gives man a mouth? Or mi yasum ilem, or who makes one deaf, or cherish, or dumb, or pikeach, or Iver, Haloy Anochi Hashem, who gives one sight or makes one blind? So who makes one deaf or dumb? Who makes one able to see or not see? Hallo Anochi Hashem? Is it not I, Hashem? And we can see I've got a, um, music in the background <laughs> to emphasize God being really, really angry. Ve'ata. And now, Lech, go, the Anochi Eheye Impicha. I will be with your mouth. And I will instruct you what to say. So you see that God gets really, really, really angry 
I want to pull this apart a little bit more, but we do have to go for a break. This is 101.9 High FM. High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. So let's dissect now what God was really saying, okay? Um, and I think this is something that, again, we need to inculcate into ourselves. Because who do we think we are? If I've got the ability to speak, is it because I'm so clever or that I had great elocution lessons? Or is it that God gave me the ability to express um, easily through my mouth? I actually was listening to a podcast yesterday um, about a, a speaker, uh, sorry, a singer um, who at some point in her career lost her voice. And she said she woke up. And she had no voice and it took her close on a year. She was completely hoarse. Took a year of going to doctors and tests and operations and goodness knows what, um, to restore her voice. And, um, she said she used to wake up every morning going testing, 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 testing to see if she had her vocal cords, if her vocal cords were working. And she said one of the things that she learned tremendously through this um, entire experience is that her voice, her ability to sing so beautifully was not something that, you know, wow, she was so clever. Look at that. She had such a great music teacher, but rather the fact that um, God had given her the voice. And she said every single day she still wakes up saying, testing, testing, and um, she is able to show gratitude and have gratitude with, for the fact that it is in fact God that has given her her voice. And so this is what God is saying. Who do you think makes people see, hear, and speak? Yes, you do have faculties that you were born with, but those are God-given. And if they are working perfectly, well, those two are God-given as well. And so um, Moses, what, where is your imuna? Where is your faith? Do you really believe because you are, are heavy of mouth and heavy of tongue, that you will not be able to uh, pass on the message to Paroi. And, and God actually reminds Moshe, says the Midrash, that do you remember that with a single word you killed that Egyptian back before he fled from Egypt into Midian and he saw that Egyptian killing the Jew, he said a word in the name of God and he killed him. So who placed the power of word? In your mouth then. And so God really gets gets angry and really says, if I, Hashem, have chosen you, Moshe, to be my ambassador, <clears throat> I can make you as eloquent as any man in the world. And if I choose, I can make any man dumb, deaf, blind. I can do whatever it is that I want. And the truth be said, says God in the Midrash, that... I'm going to leave you as a poor speaker, stuttering, stammering, because that will make the miracle with Paroi even greater. So go now. There's no, we were not, we're not continuing this discussion anymore. I will put the right words in your mouth and I will allow you to speak with the eloquence that is needed. Um, and, um, that is really a very, very important lesson that we need to take for ourselves that Everything that we have, if we have a gift from God and we have an ability, whatever it is that we are doing in this world and that we are good at, understand this is a gift from God, not of your own doing, and it is your job to use that gift 
um, and promote godliness in this world. Moshe doesn't let go. Verse 13. Please, I beg you, my master. Send whoever you want to send, meaning please don't send me. Okay? Basically, he was arguing, says the Midrash, that why do you want to send somebody as simple as me? You know, when you went to rescue Abraham's nephews, Lot, you sent angels. When Hagar got stuck in the desert with her son, you sent angels. Now there's hundreds of thousands of Abraham's descendants in distress. Why aren't you, why are they receiving the same treatment? You know, um, and if you want to send a human emissary, why me? And we are told that this argument of Moshe came out because of his humility. Okay, what he was actually saying behind the conversation, and this is something when you hear somebody, um, when somebody opposes something, they'll oppose it practically, and you'll sit there and argue practically, but really the opposition sometimes is something much deeper than that. What was, what was going on really in Moshe's mind? The answer is, is that um, Moshe was actually concerned for his brother, his older brother Aaron. Not only was his brother Aaron older than him, but for the past 80 years, Aaron had just been sitting and studying the teachings of Hashem, of, of ethics, of Torah. He was a great Torah sc- uh, scholar, and he felt he felt inadequate when he com- when he compared himself to to Aaron. And he was thinking to himself, "Well, how can I cause my brother Aaron such anguish? Okay, suddenly, all of a sudden, the young brother will come." And they will, um, they will, he will usurp the older brother's um, position, and that really um, was Moshe's behind-the-scenes argument. He was really saying to Hashem, "You claim that you appeared to me and, sp- and, and speak and spoken to me, but Aaron, my brother, has been a prophet for many years now, and God hasn't appeared to him. You've never recognized him as a prophet." How can I come now and claim that message that, that God has spoken to me? So this was really Moshe's thinking. He was like completely humble and just saying, it's just really, really not my place. And finally, I'm going to read the last 13 verses that we, three verses that we're going to do today. God gets angry with Moshe again and he says, don't you know that Aaron, your your brother, is the the Levite? Yadata ki daber yadaber hu gamhine hu yotzeli kratecha veracha v'samach belibo. I know that he knows how to speak, but he's on his way out to meet you, and he will see you, and his heart will rejoice. Like, don't worry, this has all been sorted, said God. V'dibata elav, you will speak to him. V'samte tatvarim befiv, and you will uh, you will. And put them, the, the, these words in his mouth. I will be with your mouth, and with his mouth. And I will instruct you what to do. And you will speak with him to the nation. He will also be a, um, a mouth for you. Um, and you will be respected by him as God is. And this stuff, take it in your hand, so that you should perform the signs. So God 
was angered by 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 um by Moshe's reply and basically he went to he went and said don't you know that um you were supposed to be the coin goddle but now that you have spoken and you 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 you're making me really angry i'm going to change things around okay Aaron is going to now become the the levy the high priest you're going to remain just an ordinary levy because look how many times you have refused to to let me go okay and this the same thing happened with if you remember a long time ago we learned shame lost the high priesthood because he blessed Avram first and then blessed God Okay, so here again, Moshe was worrying about the honor of his brother instead of doing what God said. So in, as a punishment, he doesn't become the coin goddle. He remains a levy and his brother is, 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 is upgraded. So that's the end of the argument and that's the end of the, 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 ah. The defensiveness that, that Moshe was showing to, to, to Hashem. Hashem, it said, said, it's settled. Aaron is very happy. He's going to come and greet you. I'll be with both of you. I'll instruct you what to do. He will talk for you and everything will be fine. Now, no more arguments. Pick up your staff and let's get the ball on. Let's get, 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 the, let's get the ball rolling. So let's see what happens next. This is 11.9 High FM. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Just a few things to tie up. Number one, just a reminder about the miraculous staff and why God was reminding him to take it with. This, you remember the staff he pulled out of Jethro's garden, Yitro's garden. It was made of pure sapphire and it weighed, it, in, in biblical terms, 40 se'ah. That's about 672 pounds. You can work it out two times 2.2. It was really, really heavy. And what God was telling him by reminding him, take your staff, he says, you realize how heavy the staff is? Can you see how easily you're carrying it in your hand? Well, that should be clear evidence to you then that you'll be able to perform miracles with it. And uh, just a reminder again also that we know that the staff was actually created. Bain Hashmashot in the twilight of creation on the sixth day just before Shabbat came in and on this staff was engraved firstly one of God's mystical names in addition engraved on it was an abbreviation of the ten plagues that God would bring upon Egypt we say it in the Haggadah which stands for Dam Tzvadeya Kinim Arov Dever Shechin Barad, Arbe, Choshek, and Makat Becharot. So the ten plagues were in there. And also engraved on the staff were the names of the patriarchs, Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. And the name of all six of the matriarchs, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, Leah, Bila, and Zilpah. And lastly, included were the names of all the tribes of Israel, the twelve tribes, Reuben, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, Yisachar, Zvulun, Dan, Naftali, Gad, Asher, Yosef, and Binyamin. So this was a very powerful staff. He was able to carry it. Come on, Moshe, if you're able to carry such a thing and perform miracles with it, what are you worried about? Um, just one or two other quick, very quick points. We are told that according to one opinion, Moshe was in fact cured of his speech defect, but only when the Torah was given, because at that time, God promised him that he would make him into a new man. Until then, he wanted him to have this, the, the defect, because that just made the miracles in Egypt much, much bigger. What about all the defects that 
we we unfortunately see in the world today, well, there is a teaching that in the ultimate future, that's the arrival of Mashiach, he should arrive very quickly. Anyone who's dumb, who has a speech defect, or any other illness is going to be cured, okay? Um, and we are going to be healed of all what we see as defects, but many, many authorities hold that the defects that we have in this world are there to find, allow us to find greatness um, because of their limitations. And finally, we have one little conversation I want to share with you in the Midrash that when Moshe did agree to go, he said to God, Lord of the universe, I want you to swear that you will do anything I request. I fear that when I go to Paroi, he will be angry and want to kill me. And therefore, I need a guarantee that you will fulfill, you will give me full power over Paroi, to which God responded. I guarantee you that I will grant all that you request with two exceptions. I do not guarantee I will allow allow you to enter the Holy Land, and I do not promise that I will tell you exactly when you will die. Other than those two things, I will do anything you ask, and that indeed happened. Happy Lag Baomer, everybody. Thanks for joining me, and thanks for uh, for all those that are letting me know that they're, they're listening live and enjoying the year. It's been great to be with you. I'll be back next week. And in the meantime, have a wonderful week again. And Chag Sameach.